0: Welcome to the Peace Corner podcast. This series is brought together by GPAC, You Know Why, and CSPPS. Each episode will bring to you a different peace builder and their personal story. In this season, we dive into the topic of inclusivity. How do we meaningfully bring this concept beyond tokenism? How can we truly include women and youth in peace building? Young women and men still suffer from stereotypes, myths and policy panics that harm their agency and affect realising their full potential for peace. The evidence is clear. Development is not sustainable if it is not fair and inclusive. Our efforts to build and sustain peace need to be democratised to include the communities most affected. Young people are our best chance in succeeding. In order to break the status quo and make the world a better place, we need gender equality. The fantastic phrase, women's rights are human rights, must become the spine of all our political work. Welcome to this episode of the Peace Corner podcast. Today we are going to interview Najib Azad, a peace activist from Afghanistan today we are going to dive into the topic of youth involvement in the process of peace negotiations in afghanistan welcome najib
1: thank you vesa
0: so the our first question is what motivated you to take on a role as a peace builder and human rights advocate
1: well my life experiences uh, has uh, shaped uh, my uh, ideas about uh, being included in the peace process and also to support my other young mates in the country to take part in uh, promoting peace and uh, bridging the gap that has existed for a long time uh, uh, between the ethnic tribes in Afghanistan, which which has been the main reason of the war in the country. So uh, since my young age, I had to flee the country during the Taliban. uh, and They go to Pakistan for nine years. I was a refugee there and uh, yeah, all of my life experiences and my academic experiences have uh, Encouraged me to take a more active role in uh, supporting the people who are uh, voiceless or who wants to uh, raise their voice but needs a, uh, a guide or needs a, a mentor and uh, Yeah, to work together with other youth in my country to promote peace.
0: How did your experience as a refugee in Pakistan affect your uh, desire to achieve inclusivity in the field of peace building?
1: Well, my my journey to Pakistan has uh, been very influential on me personally in terms of uh, first understanding the conflict. How has this Afghan war uh, been going on for like uh, three decades now? How does it affect international community, and where does it take roots from, the Islamic madrasas, and uh, where uh, the terrorists are getting trained there, and also how uh, young people in Pakistan, young Afghans who are refugees, are passionate about getting back to the country because they are born in Afghanistan, but they were faced, uh, they had faced uh, tough situations and had to leave the country. So there's a desire in every young Afghan youth outside Afghanistan. Uh, I've been in Europe as well, in India, in Pakistan, I've been to several countries. And everywhere I go, even second generation Afghans, they have this desire to get back to their country and contribute, not towards only peace, but to development and based on the capacity that they have earned. And uh, it's very important to mention that my country is one of the youngest countries in the world. Uh, More than 65% of the population in Afghanistan is uh, below uh, 25 years old, which means that these uh, 65% is going to be shaping a lot of the uh, uh, institutions in the country and a lot of the grassroots level activities, because the elders are going to be retired or they're going to just let the youth uh, take part. But uh, the only problem now is that the institutions in Afghanistan is very much uh, 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 elder-centric uh, because the warlords who have been involved in the war previously are still in the government. They have a huge power. Their political parties have a huge power and that's why they are recruiting uh, their own people who are usually not youngsters, but Uh, mostly elders who follow their own uh, mentality and ideology. So youth has a voice to make but until now that situation has not uh, come up in the country because they have the capacity but they are not put into the position to uh, work uh, towards a peaceful Afghanistan. And uh, I want to mention as well that Afghanistan just uh, drafted their Afghan National Youth Policy for the first time. So there was no youth policy before 2014. And that was approved by the cabinet in 2016. But the problem is that Afghanistan is facing uh, insecurity, unstable economy, uh, opium uh, production, and uh, yeah, the war on terror. So these kind of uh, significant, like important uh, uh, processes are uh, uh, kind of... uh, taking the way of the national youth policy implementation, for example. So the government is not much focused on promoting youth empowerment or youth inclusion in this kind of activities, but they are more focused on elections or killing terrorists or uh, fighting poverty.
0: So what has been the role of youth in um, the process of peace negotiations in Afghanistan until now?
1: The, the role of youth has been very uh, uh, influential in the in grassroots level because uh, youth in Afghanistan have taken small initiatives uh, in the uh, local level, not in the national level or regional level because they don't have that uh, financial capacity to, for example, travel ar- around Asia or to go to the U.S. and they don't have the funding and the resources but in the grassroots level, they have been very active in terms of uh, having workshops on uh, peace or campaigns on peace. Uh, a group of yeah, youth uh, walked from Hillman province in Afghanistan to Kabul, which is around 300 kilometers. And then they walked back towards Herat, which is in the north, far away yeah, on the other side of the country. Uh, they also continued this campaign during the month of Ramadan, where they fast as well. They don't eat during the day. So they have been very active uh, in, in the grassroots level and they discussed uh, on the way with the Taliban, with the Afghans, the ordinary Afghans, that they should uh, put down their guns and uh, make peace, which is very uh, important in a sense that Afghans talk with other Afghans about peace, not the Americans coming to talk with the Taliban or Taliban or Afghans as well, not all of them, but the afghan taliban who are in the country they also want peace but there are afghan taliban from pakistan as well so it's it's a very complicated uh, situation Uh, i'm talking only about the afghan taliban so they talked uh, on the way with ordinary people and uh, terrorists on uh, uh, while walking from province to province and it was very influential they were in kabul like they stayed in front of UNAMA, the United Nations office, uh, put a tent there and was sitting there to talk to the UN guys as well. So they took this local uh, approach and came to talk to the international agencies uh, on the way they talk to ordinary people. And now they are just walking around the country. So these are just examples of uh, some activities that you would have been involved. Other than that, like I have friends myself who are Having non-profit organizations and uh, building the capacity of youth to uh, raise their voice in uh, achievement of SDGs, um, but because Afghanistan is not peaceful, but they only they focus mostly on uh, the uh, peace building, which is I think SDG 17. Peace. So there's a lot going on in the grassroots level, but unfortunately, the government has not provided this environment for the youth to come within the uh, peace institutions. And the government itself is not also united. It's, uh, there's a lot of uh, complexity in the government as well because there's now three institutions that work on peace, three. The first one was created by former President Hamid Karzai in 2010, which was a peace council, high peace council. The second one was created in 2017 it's a peace uh, envoy of the president the third one is just created which is a minister of state for reconciliation affairs which means there is there are three organizations working on the same thing but they are not coordinating well with each other and they are mostly led by warlords who have uh, uh, brought the country to the current situation so youth uh, still have to be included in this kind of government institutions.
0: Mm -hmm. What are international organizations doing to help the youth in Afghanistan in this process?
1: Well, the international organizations, for example, this uh, Afghan National Youth Policy was created in collaboration with uh, the United Nations Assistance Mission in Afghanistan and the Ministry of Information and Culture of Afghanistan. Uh, But also the international organizations cannot risk to work only with youth. the warlords have a huge power in the country and if their power is not taken into consideration in the political game they are going to go against uh, the united nations and going against the united nations will bring the country back to uh, civil war and uh, all of the uh, bitter history which we have experienced in the past decade so the united nations and the international organizations are also taking a very precautionary measure to keep a balance between working with the warlords and the youth but because the warlords are much more influential than the youth uh, uh, most of their contributions uh, and activities are with the institutions which are led by the political leaders who have been uh, warlords in the country for many decades yeah
0: so you as a peace peace builder how do you think that uh, youth can be included in a more institutional level in the peace for the peace building process in afghanistan
1: well uh, the only thing that matters now is capacity and uh, networking The youth have the capacity but they need to network better so they can get into the channels uh, within the institutions and uh, get their voice in a higher level so that, I think better networking and also capacity building of uh, uh, illiterate youth because uh, 70% of the country is Ill- illiterate, they cannot read and write. And that means that when you can't read and write, then you can't do something big. You need to start uh, working on small projects, um, raise awareness, go talk to the people, make like, uh, work with the government, work with the international NGOs. So, building the capacity of youth and also uh, uh, making youth uh, network with uh, Afghan youth across the country and also youth uh, outside Afghanistan, because what matters in Afghanistan now is how the international community, the United Nations, and the international NGOs approach peace building and changing their perception of uh, their current perception of peace. That they are working with the warlords and they are fighting with gun rather than with pen. So, changing this mentality also requires a lot of networking, a lot of connection, which the youth can if they think outside the bubble, you know. They think outside Afghanistan, they interact with the government agencies and international organizations outside Afghanistan. And that's what I'm trying to do outside the Afghanistan. I had my for exhibitions in five European countries, and I've spoken in many places, and this uh, provides a perfect opportunity for me to raise awareness in the West how, in this uh, in the past 18 years, the situation has gotten worse rather than going towards the right direction. Um, uh, Afghanistan only had two terrorist groups, the Taliban and Al Qaeda, in 2001, but after 18 years of war and bloodshed, and killing of more than 100,000 Afghan civilians. There are now more than 20 terrorist groups and uh, the poverty rate has gone high. Uh, so the government and the international community need to change their lens towards how they uh, make programs and how they implement programs and and most importantly, how they should include youth in uh, these programs because youth are the future of the country.
0: So, can you tell us, so what is the, uh, the perception of youth from the general public in Afghanistan? Because in post-conflict situations, youth is seen either as a perpetrator of violence mm-hmm. or something that can contribute towards a more positive future. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the current generation of Afghans, uh, I mean, like people who are above 50 years so old, do think of youth as a uh, as a future of the country but still they limit uh, because Afghanistan is a very conservative society they limit youth to certain cultural boundaries that limit uh, youth from uh, uh, raising their voice first because uh, most uh, uh, places in Afghanistan want the youth to act in a certain way like uh, when there's an elder sitting in the room, young people should not talk outside the boundary. Uh, They should first let the elders to talk, like this kind of cultural uh, principles that has existed in the country. They do limit youth, but still, uh, based on my experiences, uh, the Afghans have, uh, uh, Afghans see a huge potential in in the current youth. And that's why if you go to Afghan, Society now, most of them are sending their kids to school just because they want their kid to be something in the future and contribute to the development of the, the country. But still, there are places, for example, that the schools are closed or uh, uh, conservative societies are not allowing girls to go to school. So, this kind of uh, cultural aspect of uh, uh, some uh, Afghan. Uh, uh, societies are limiting youth, but overall uh, I believe uh, that Afghans see a huge potential in youth in the long term.
0: How do you consider that your activism so far has contributed towards a positive change for your country?
1: Well, my activism has uh, been uh, uh, in in different uh, uh, kind of activities that I've been involved. I've been writing blog posts uh, for national newspapers and also uh, international online newspapers and uh, I've had my uh, photo exhibitions and panel discussions in several European countries and I've attended many campaigns and talked in many events. So the, the, the influence of this kind of activities that uh, I've undertaken is that you uh, first raise awareness about the Uh, real situation in Afghanistan at first Afghanistan is not a country of war and terrorism it is a part of the truth Afghanistan is a beautiful country with uh, uh, rich culture rich resources and uh, uh, hospitable uh, people Uh, and uh, nobody will believe this that uh, my country has more than uh, 3,000 plant species which is more more than the plant species of entire Europe. But you don't get to hear this kind of news from the media because media is giving that stereotype uh, uh, news about uh, Afghanistan. So first I raise awareness over the country and how the international community needs to change their approach. So I talked for example local stakeholders uh, ordinary people in the Netherlands or in Spain or in Oslo in Norway or anywhere in, in Europe and through my online uh, writings blogging i interact with an uh, international uh, audience so what matters in this kind of activities is that first you raise awareness and then you talk to real stakeholders in europe for example you talk to an ngo who is working on peace uh, building initiatives in afghanistan or you talk to the un uh, officials in this kind of events uh, so these kind of interactions uh, kind of uh, Uh, provides an opportunity uh, for me as a uh, young Afghan to contribute uh, uh, towards changing mentality of uh, people the mentality of international community most importantly because it has not brought my country to a peaceful situation now the situation has got worse and also to uh, encourage other youth to start small initiatives uh, on uh, giving voice to themselves and to their society uh, so that their voices can be heard and also to I'm um, working uh, to network with other youth, Afghan youth to work on long-term projects, bigger projects uh, where we can have a, a more broader influence on the current situation in Afghanistan.
0: Let's move a bit to the topic of gender. What is the current situation of young women in terms of youth? civic engagement in Afghanistan?
1: Well, that's a very important uh, topic. Uh, unfortunately, it's not being taken seriously in my country. Like, women have been oppressed uh, uh, during the Taliban, which everybody knows. But still, though the government gives, like, uh, this uh, statistics that there are more than 25% women in the upper and lower house of the parliament, but there is a huge urban-rural divide in uh, across Afghanistan in terms of women in, uh, education of women, healthcare of women, uh, women employment, and uh, uh, yeah, w- uh, sexual harassment of women, street harassment. So Afghanistan is still has still a long path towards uh, uh, achieving gender equality. But we should not also. Uh, uh, undermine the achievements that have been made since the Taliban, which is not enough at all. But uh, I think we need Afghan government needs to play a more uh, uh, active role in, uh, in including women in uh, in the institutions and especially in the in, in peace building because there has been many successful cases of uh, women involvement in bringing peace in in Africa, for example, and uh, uh, yeah, woman is 50% of the society and they should not be neglected and uh, their voice should be heard. And in, in a conservative Afghan society, woman has a very uh, powerful role in the family because woman is responsible for managing the household, uh, doing the uh, work at home and has a lot of influence on the men in terms of like guiding the family. Uh, however, outside the house, the situation changes because women needs to wear hijab and stuff. But inside the family, a woman has a huge influence and that can be utilized in terms of bringing the Afghan men who are uh, fighting uh, with the government together to, to achieve a long-term peace. So, because you don't see women terrorists in my country all of them are men and uh, uh, the power that women woman has in a family uh, can uh, play a a very influential role in uh, changing the scenario
0: and uh, what has been done so far either by the government or other stakeholders to include women in the peace process
1: yeah so the high peace council uh, which was established in 2010 its deputy is an Afghan woman, who I know, Habiba Sarabi, uh, and there are some other women as well in the High Peace Council. But the only thing that matters is that the, all of the other government institutions, uh, especially the presidential palace, they are sort of governed mainly by, by men. And women does have a voice, but they can't have a say. I mean they can't uh, decide they just can share their ideas and uh, mostly the in the hierarchy of government bureaucracy the men take, uh, are in the decision-making authority there has been a lot of work by the international community and the Afghan government in terms of making gender policies in women empowerment policies but that has not worked it has only worked in bringing uh, women in the parliament, but that doesn't mean that the women in the parliament are gonna um, bridge the gap, the gender gap in the local level, because women in the parliament is in Kabul and they can't, for example, travel due to security reasons in the um, outskirts of the country. So, as I mentioned earlier, the urban-rural divide uh, in terms of women empowerment, education of women, and healthcare. Is, uh, is a very uh, serious issue and uh, it has limited a lot of women to get education, get proper health care, and to contribute to uh, national level activities, including peace.
0: And um, how do you think that young women in Afghanistan could get more involved in activism and participate mean- meaningfully in the peace-building process?
1: Well, that... Uh, Regarding that question, uh, I believe uh, first the Afghan uh, society needs to change their mentality towards women because uh, uh, in the outskirts of the country, their Afghan societies are very uh, conservative and they usually uh, uh, want women to take care of uh, internal household activities and not to take part in the social uh, life, but uh, in the urban level, in in cities in in Afghanistan, women are active, but still they face a lot of uh, uh, insecurities. Insecurities in the sense that mm, they are being harassed in the street. They if they go to work in a government organization, even there they get harassed and uh, uh, in. Uh, like uh, put pressure mentally on them like mental pressure so the uh, women in afghanistan is facing a lot of uh, pressure from the society from the government and uh they yeah w- the solution for them is to to fight back to uh together not alone because uh, we have this afghan proverb that if you have one stick in your hand it breaks but if you have 10 sticks, you try to break it. your it. So Afghan women needs, need to work uh, together in a, in a village level, in a district level, in the province level, in order to bridge this uh, men-woman gap uh, that exists, and also to convince their families that uh, cultures do change, cultures transform, uh, and uh, for better, and that they need to uh, uh, play a more contribu- uh, effective role in, uh, in uh, earning for the family, in uh, uh, making a positive change in the society, and also in uh, uh, working towards peace.
0: So, Najib, you just told us how the media portrays Afghanistan mm-hmm. in a very negative way. Lens. Mm-hmm. How would you like to, for Afghanistan to be viewed by people who don't live there?
1: Well, uh, f- first thing uh, that the media should uh, uh, discuss is uh, talking about both sides of the coin. Not only portraying the war and terrorism in Afghanistan, but also portraying, the, as I mentioned earlier, our rich culture, our rich plant species. And then uh, our mineral resources, like we are one of the richest countries in terms of uh, lithium. So lithium is what you guys use in your technology, in uh, laptop or uh, your phones. And Afghanistan has uh, uh, more lithium than the value of entire fossil fuel industry in the world. But nobody knows that because uh, people know Afghanistan be, uh, just uh, uh, because of the Taliban and Al Qaeda and 9/11. And also what media should do is to portray how the West uh, and international community after 2001 has failed in the country. For 18 years they have been fighting uh, using uh, taxpayers' money, ordinary uh, Europeans' money, ordinary United States citizens' money, and uh, the war has not ended. They should ask this question from their uh, local politicians, their parliamentarians and their presidents. And in the current globalized world, something that happens in Afghanistan affects people in Europe. That's why when people vote in, uh, in the West or in any other country outside Afghanistan, they should also think of what their politicians that they're voting for are going to do for Afghanistan. What's their agenda for Afghanistan? Because for 18 years, uh, the army from the US has been being uh, killed in Afghanistan, Dutch army have had casualties so every country that has been to Afghanistan, their soldiers have died uh, uh, in war on terror so we need to be more active in terms of understanding the real situation in the countries that uh, our governments are active and to vote meaningfully and to choose politicians uh, by following the common sense, not only following what that politician is going to do for our own personal interests. Because God forbid if something happens in uh, uh, in, in Afghanistan and some European soldiers are kill- killed, that impacts some families here in Europe because their families live here. Or a bomb loss happens in Afghanistan. Afghan diaspora community who are part of the European community now are going to be uh, affected by that. So these are just examples. So, media needs to uh, talk about both sides of the coin and uh, uh, to provide a more holistic uh, uh, news uh, and information about Afghanistan and to encourage. Uh, uh, local, uh, local journalists in Afghanistan to raise their voice because local journalists like there are a lot of newspapers in Afghanistan who talks about the truth in the country but unfortunately because they are not in, in contact with New York Times or BBC or CNN they are uh, uh, their voices are not heard uh, and one thing that I uh, usually tell my friends in a funny way is that Trump is right about only one thing fake news And I I don't mean it's fake news. It is news, but it's uh, just giving a false narrative Mm -hmm. towards uh, uh, the situation. So media needs to provide the uh, the truthful narrative towards uh, situations like Afghanistan and even situations like uh, 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 Europe. From that, I mean that the European Parliament just passed a law last year on... uh, Uh, limiting people uh, to see uh, limited contents in web in uh, in the internet so when you open a website now on your internet you get a notification that they want to use your cookies so they get your cookies uh, in Europe and then based on those things that you search for they give you advertisements which means that a local European who is only busy searching about the University of Amsterdam, University of Oxford, or Zara or Albertine will never hear about Afghanistan. Because they will just be stuck in this bubble that uh, will only provide news if they go home and turn on the TV and then see some false narrative from uh, the international media. So it's, uh, international media needs to, uh, like, uh, provide uh, uh, the truthful news uh, yeah, about Afghanistan and also we in Europe should uh, change our lens towards such uh, policies that the European Parliament, for example, is taking in order to put uh, Europeans in a, in a bubble.
0: So, Najib, our last question for you is how do you think we can go beyond tokenism? and how can we make peace building meaningfully inclusive?
1: Well, uh, uh, to make uh, peace uh, uh, process more inclusive and uh, go beyond tokenism, we need to include everyone in the society. And from everyone, I mean from a newborn kid to a person who is just in their 90s or 100s, from a newborn kid I mean because I've lived in Afghanistan and I know how tough the situation for young kids newborn kids are like they they're born in a conflict and uh, they are raised in a conflict and uh, how they uh they grow up in a family in the society they whatever they see is either um uh, like uh, someone going to Kabul, for example, from a village and on the way they are afraid of uh, the Taliban. For example, my nephew who is in Kabul, he he was just like five years old and we were in Kabul and some people came from our district and they were like, uh, but on the way there's Taliban, how did you guys come? Like even young people, young kids like that uh, uh, are are trend in a way from their young age that the conflict is going on and uh, the country is not in a good situation. So we need to uh, train the young generation in a way that they are more optimistic about the future of the country. And in terms of inclusion in the institutional level and uh, in the national level, uh, I believe first we need to uh, let women. Uh, 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 in the decision-making authorities, not only having women in the High Peace Council, for example, just so that they can uh, report to international uh, community that, well, there's gender equality in the High Peace Council. However, the fact is that the woman in the Peace Council does not have any decision-making authority. And also in the uh, international intra-Afghan peace dialogues that are gonna happen in some of them that has already happened in Qatar or in Russia, in Doha. There has been like uh, 30 or 35 men and only four or five women. And those women like, are from the, all of the women, only one is uh, allowed to speak and then all of the agenda is run by men. So women uh, inclusion is very important to, uh, to achieve peace uh, inclusion. And also young people's uh, inclusion because most of the people who go to these peace talks are warlords and uh, uh, associates of warlords Uh, and also to include uh, other ethnic groups in Afghanistan because Afghanistan has more than 30 ethnic groups and mostly in the higher government level there's the three four majority ethnic groups who are Uh, having the most population in the country. So we need to include every ethnic group in the country, women for sure, and uh, also change our policies in a way that in the long term uh, young people can easily enter institutions in the government and uh, work in a more effective way rather than being outside the government and uh, not taking the uh, Uh, influential uh, role that they can play uh, for development of the country. So we need to include everyone. A a newborn kid uh, to an old man or woman. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to have you
0: in this episode. Thank you, Vesa. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Peace Corner. Interested in hearing more from us? Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you might be listening.